You've been listening to amazing music here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Coming up next, JM Sunday with Matis Weingast here at NahumSiegel.com.
everyone and welcome to another edition of JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matis Weingast. Today is the uh, eighth day in the month of November, the 21st day in the month of Cheshvan, 5789. And if you're studying Dafyomi, it's uh, Ervin Tzadik Aleph. Page ninety-one in uh, in the Masechta. Uh, it is uh, seventy-two degrees outside in our area. It's going up to seventy-two degrees, I should say, and sunny. <laughs> Forty-nine is the low. Right now, it's in the fifties. In Jerusalem, sixty-eight degrees and partly cloudy, going up. No, that is the high, sixty-eight degrees. Yeah, I'm confused a little bit because we're not going to have the news from Israel with Hannah Julian. She's under the weather. So, uh, yeah. Partly cloudy today in Jerusalem. Going down to a low of 56 overnight. Hope you had a uh, good week and a restful week in Shabbos. As of now, there is a new president of the United States. Joe Biden. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I think that's going to be uh, pretty solid there. So we certainly wish him and Kamala Harris a congratulations on becoming the uh, next president and vice president of the United States. Um. I'm sure that more will be spoken about that on these airwaves over the next few days. This past uh, Shabbos, Friday and Shabbos, was a uh, a weekend of uh, loss in the Jewish community with the passing on uh, Arab Shabbos of Rabbi David Feinstein and the uh, passing on Shabbos of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs of... Uh, London, and uh, I am sure, again, there will be much said over the airwaves over the next few days. Uh, The information that uh, we have on Rav David's funeral is uh, that I believe it's taking place at 9.30 this morning outside of the yeshiva, but uh, that people are urged to participate, watch it via live stream or other social media platforms out of uh, 
basic caution since we are still well within the uh, coronavirus times. Uh, there will be a there, yeah there will be a live stream at 9:30. The funeral will take place outside of MTJ Mesifta Tafaris Yushalayim. Uh, and anybody who does go there must wear a mask and must maintain social distancing. I don't have any information on the Leviah for Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Let's see if anything came up across uh, the news over the last few minutes. So I'm going to let you know. Do not have anything right now. If we do, we'll let you know. Or if it was, we'll let you know. Uh, it is 7.09 in the morning, and we're going to get to the music. Uh, expect Rabbi Goldwasser at 7.30. And uh, as I said, kind of Julian is off this week. She is under the weather. So, um, yeah, that is that. Let's get to the music. Here is Jonathan Scheinfeld with Tinat Nafshi right here on JM Sunday. <laughs>
you got dark tone, the sharpest stare, and God only knows the good things will come and fade and never withhold from. I hear the echo still, those words in my head. So many things were left unsaid. You're gone, but unofficially, I try to pull myself, but. I wake up on the other side, and I see in post-factual time. But I would never ever leave myself behind. And I've tried so hard to find out what you're feeling. It makes it hard to speculate. Condescending feeling. Good things don't come to those who wait. Flying colors all around us last time, but you never took the time to see. Who's to say that I never change? These flying colors mean you're everything. You say I come around. But I've been alright. I see the light ahead. I go there sometimes, and you talk, you talk, you talk, you talk, but you don't think before you're all alone. And no, I won't deny. And I tried so hard to find out what you're feeling. It makes it hard to speculate. Descending feeling Good things don't come to those who wait Flying colors all around us last time But you never took the time to see Who's to say that I never change These flying colors mean you're everything Don't take me away. Don't take me away. Don't take me away. Don't take me away. Who's to say that I never change? These flying colors mean you're everything. Flying colors all around us last time, but you never took the time to see. To say that I never change, these bright colors mean you're everything. Thank <laughs> you. 
זה פשוט נהיה מוזר. אנשים רודפים היום אחר הצל של המחר, מי בעצם החתול מי העכבר? כי כואב לנו כואב, הלוואי שרק הלב, העולם הזה כבר לא מה שהיה. מגישים לנו שלום בצלחת של הטוב, ושיהיה בתיאבון כותר הבא. אחת אחר חצות אני שומע חדשות, העכבר משית היום ספינת שלום. ובכמה מוצרים, ברזלים וסכינים, והחתול שוב מלקק את הפצעים. כי כואב לנו כואב, הלוואי שרק הלב, העולם הזה פשוט נהיה מוזר. אנשים רודפים היום אחר הצל של המחר, מבעצם החתול מהעכבר. העולם הזה כבר לא מה שהיה מגישים לנו שלום בצלחת של הטוב ושיהיה בתיאבון תודה כותב מכתב לאלוקים שלי יקר. אנא שמור כאן על הכל, תחזיק היטב שלא ניפול, ואל תשכח את החתול והעכבר. כי כואב לנו כואב, הלוואי שרק הלב, העולם הזה נהיה כל כך מוזר. אנשים רוצים היום אחר הצל של המחר, מי בעצם החתול מהעכבר. כי כואב לנו כואב, הלוואי שרק הלב,
Eastern Time, AM, here on JM Sunday, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Matus Weingast with you. We are on the Nachum Siegel Network. We just heard uh, from Ari Goldwag before Amiran Devere, Akiva Tolchin, Achenu, and Yonatan Scheinfeld. Rabbi Goas will be coming up in about a moment. As I mentioned, no news from Israel today. Hannah Julian is under the weather, so we're giving her a day off and wishing her a Rafua Shalema. Uh, I mentioned before that she was under the weather. So, uh, listener, um, listener Chaim, who uh, always uh, gives me challenging questions to answer, said, what does under the weather mean? How does one get under the weather? So, of course, I had to look it up. And uh, it goes back probably to the early 1800s, and uh, the correct term is, excuse me, is under the weather bow, uh, which is a, uh, the weather bow is the, is the side of a ship where all the rotten weather is blowing. So when a sailor was feeling seasick, he would be uh, sent below deck so he could get away from being under the harsh weather or under the weather bow. So we shortened it, I guess, over time to just being under the weather. Um, and that's that's why, uh, that's how it came to be known as something meaning I'm not feeling well, so I'm under the weather. It's not a major thing, or just feel kind of under the weather, gloomy, not feeling well, some aches, pains, under the weather. So thank Chaim for... Uh, asking me that so I could look it up. <laughs> I did not know the answer to that. And it's much appreciated. As I uh, mentioned at the very beginning of the show, we uh, are certainly in a, uh, in a in a very sad period at the loss of two great world rabbinic figures, Rabbi David Feinstein and Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. 
As I mentioned also earlier, Rabbi Feinstein's uh, funeral will be uh, live-streamed this morning at 9.30 Eastern Time. Uh, so yeah, check that uh, out. If, um, if anyone is going from the area to the funeral, uh, everyone must wear masks and must maintain social distancing. Uh, Rabbi Goldwasser's words are coming up in a second, and they are very fitting for uh, for this time. And uh, every Sunday through Thursday at this time, we feature Rabbi Goldwasser with Morning Chizik. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Elzecher Nishmas, Rabbi Rabbi Yosef Halevi, and Lezecha Nishmas Esther Bas Rabbi Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with a morning chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Mishnah, Hu Haya Omer, Rabbi Yaakov and Kashya said, Yafesha Achas Tshuva. Better is a moment, an hour of Tshuva Masim Tovim, in good deeds, Ba'olamazeh, in this world, Miko Chaye Ho'olamabo. More than the entire world to come. Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer was once being led to his death. Yoyakum, the Russia, rode by on a beautiful horse. Yoyakum began to taunt him. Look at me and look at you. I'm riding on a beautiful horse while you at Sadik are following me. Is this the reward for all of your Yerashamayim, your fear of Hashem? Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer said, if this is your portion in this world, can you imagine what the tzaddikim will have in Olam Abba? With each passing moment, Rabbi Yossi was speaking with Yoyakum. He was convincing him of the simcha of Olam Abba is superior to any of the pleasures of this world. Suddenly, Yoyakum, that had been a Russia up until that point, in order to get rid of all of his sins, accepted the four types of punishment that the court can administer. Rabbi Yossi called out within a brief moment, Yo Yochum succeeded in preceding me to Olam Abba. Yafa Someone once came to Rabbi Yossi of Stalin. He was in a state of despair. He said, I tell you the truth, I did a lot of Averos Chamuros. I did a lot of bad things. And according to what it's written in Esfarim, I may have lost my chilek in Olam Haba, my portion in the world to come. Tshuva will not be mezakami. I will not be able to properly do tshuva. The Rebbe said, hurry up and do tshuva. Don't worry about all of your chashbonos, all of the things in your mind, all of the logic, whether you can count on going to Olam Haba or not. It says in Perkiavos, Yafesha achas betshuva. Even if you have an hour of repentance in this world, it is more chashu, it is more important than the whole olam haba. Indeed, every individual is able to do tshuva in this world. It's because of that moment of tshuva that a person can erase all the bad in their life. Rabbi once met a notorious balavera. He was traveling on the road. Rabbi Yitzchuk walked over to him and said, My beloved brother, you have no idea how jealous I am of you. You don't even realize it. You have such a treasure that you carry with you. If you would only put your heart to do tshuva to repent, 
all of the Averis, all the sins you have done, will become schuyos, will become merits. There will be no tzaddik as great as you, because no tzaddik could have so many merits. The words of the tzaddik had an effect, and the man did tshuva shalema. He repented fully. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Sadi kalato monifero ieres alvano miske shesunin avehisashem chatzros elokeinu yafrichu sadi.
by uh, Ehud Banai here on JM Sunday. Before that, we heard from uh, Dudu Derry, David Ardashti, Avram Willig, Avram Rosenblum, and Shim Kramer opened up our song segment following uh, Rabbi Goldwasser. It is uh, just about 8 o'clock in the morning Eastern Time. And as I mentioned earlier, Hannah Julian is under the weather today. And she will not be presenting the news from Israel. Uh, I spoke with Nachum before, and I asked him if he could join us uh, to talk about the uh, passing of two great Torah giants this uh, this weekend. And uh, it's always a pleasure having Nachum on the show. It's unfortunate under these circumstances, but uh, Nachum Siegel, welcome to JM Sunday. Thank you very much, Matis. Good morning. Hope you can hear me fine. Yep, I believe so. Uh, so it's definitely been a, a challenging uh, uh, weekend, and uh, and I don't mean because of the election, uh, although that um, that will maybe calm things down in the world somewhat. Uh, it remains to be seen what happens, and I think based on yesterday, we should know for sure who's president at least by January fifteenth. Well, by then, hopefully, we'll know who's controlling the Senate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows who the next president is. Interesting to see the reaction in the Jewish world. Yeah. Um, and uh, at this point, I'm I'm hoping that the current president faces that reality and deals with it, because he has a couple of months where he could really, I mean, he could really project a very nice legacy if he handles it correctly. I have a feeling he won't, but he has the opportunity right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and you, what you said about the Senate race, I think there are two runoffs scheduled for the beginning yeah. of January, so that, that may make a, a difference. But Oh, that could make a big difference, yeah. Yeah, you never know. Uh, but I had asked you to, to, to join me this morning uh, to talk about the um, the passing right before Shabbos of uh, Hagon of David Feinstein, and then we heard after Shabbos that uh, 
Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs was Nifter, uh, who was the chief rabbi of the British Empire for, for many years. But in particular, uh, you have known the Feinstein family and, and live in that area. And I wanted to get the impressions of, of you and your thoughts uh, of someone who actually you know, lived there with, with, with him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's different than when everybody hears about how great someone is and how special, which obviously he was in the post-Ecador, and people called him constantly just like they did uh, for, to his father, Moshe Feinstein. Uh, but what was it like being there and, and living there? Well, it's interesting because um, we 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 have been in the same building with Rev. David Feinstein and his uh, rabbits and should live and be well uh, for the last 31 years. We're living in the same building, one section over. Um, so he really is a neighbor, was a neighbor, and uh, I mean, I mean, it's funny. I'm in the middle of a of an article right now that I'm hoping to post later on today on social media. Maybe it'll be printed in a few places, talking about the two tragedies that we suffered. One before Shabbos, uh, when the word started to spread on the Lower East Side, and then of course in other parts of the world about David Feinstein's passing, and then right after Shabbos when uh, we heard about the passing of uh, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And I think that um, you know, in an era where we are craving dignified humble, effective Jewish leadership. And I think COVID has shown us that if there isn't dignified, humble, and effective Jewish leadership, then that void is filled sometimes with elements that we are not in favor of. Mm. Uh, But an era where we crave it, uh, these two men, aside from their scholarship and their specialties in in, in academics, meaning that, you know, Rav David was uh, was obviously an amazing post-sake and somebody who was... um, called upon from all around the world. And that's what he was most known for. Obviously, he was also Rosh Hashiva, Machaber Sfarim, wrote many, many holy books, and, uh, and, you know, and, and was well-known in that whole area of Jewish academia. Rabbi Sachs, you know, author of many, many books, great philosopher, incredible academic, uh, he, um, he uh, was able to fluently discuss with anybody any religion, any world topic or worldly topic, anything having to do with uh, really anything going on in this world. So they both had their areas of expertise and, and what they're most known for, but both of them, in their own way, had such humility, presented themselves with such uh, dignity and grace, and I think it's one of the things we're going to miss most. And for me, you know, living in this neighborhood for the last 31 years, uh, I saw that humility up close and personal. I mean, Rev. David Feinstein was somebody who uh, I witnessed, you know, going shopping. Uh, <laughs> many Torah giants would not, I don't think many of them would step foot in the supermarket, but he okay. felt that, you know, why shouldn't he be doing that for his family? I saw him uh, sit down on a Shabbos morning after davening in the park and wait for his wife, um, you know, to come and to... Uh, you know, didn't stand on ceremony, just, you know, waited like a good husband should until she arrived from where she was davening. Um, I, I saw him uh, enjoy his grandchildren to such a degree and shower them with hugs and kisses in a public setting with no airs about him. And, uh, and, and his... And his uh, his very soft-spoken demeanor, 
and his um, often very quiet presence, very, very often in meetings with other Rosh Yeshiva, other Torah giants, he would be the only one not saying a word. And if he did open his mouth, all of a sudden everybody was, you know, right. was carefully listening <laughs> to see what he had to say because, you know, it was such a rare occasion. Um, and, of course, people have pointed out that he didn't dress like the traditional Rebbe or Rosh Hashiva would. He dressed very simply. Uh, someone someone just said to me this morning, didn't he wear a gray straw hat during the summer? And I'm like, yep, he wore a gray straw hat during the summer. Just very modest and uh, unassuming. And someone once made a comment to him. You know, he, he used to frequent the local pizza shop. He would go in the morning after davening at MTJ, and he would sit and uh, eat breakfast in the pizza shop. People would come. After davening, they'd come to speak to him. So after davening, they'd walk with him to there and, you know, continue the conversation. And someone in the neighborhood once said to him, you know, it doesn't befit uh, Gadlador to, to go to a pizza shop. And he said, if I see a Gadlador, I'll let him know. <laughs> I also have some funny stories with him. I, I really have some funny stories with him. First of all, he appreciated my sense of humor, which was nice. <laughs> and, and if I would catch up to him while he was walking to Yeshiva on occasion on Shabbos, you know, we'd have a chance to talk, and he was usually walking alone when he went to Yeshiva on mm. Shabbos. Um, but he had a great sense of humor. People would find it hard to believe that he, uh, you know, when he would crack a smile, you knew that you got him. You knew you got him with right. a good joke or a good line. Well, he actually, uh, if you see pictures of him, and certainly you've seen him, and like you just described, he smiled a lot. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he, didn't, he didn't waste his smiles, right. but he found good reasons to smile. Absolutely. That's true. And, and what you just said, and I, and I know you're going to continue with some of your other personal uh, recollections, but uh, the way you described him is you saw him as a real person. Uh, perhaps many people that would not did not know him or would not have known him by sight might have thought, like you said, here's an older Jewish person who, you know, he's dressed this way, and he, with, without realizing we're we're too concerned about the outer trappings. If you don't look the part, you know, how should the part be be shown? Uh, you're describing somebody who, living in a in a in a time and in a place where, this is what you do. You go to eat someplace and you go shopping and you do those daily things of life that um, other people yeah. don't realize is really part of of what a person is. The mundane things that you know people would say you're not allowed to do because of your <laughs> position. Um, it's funny. You just reminded me of something. Now I forgot. But the <laughs> the. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say, but the, yeah, oh yeah, he is the perfect example. He is the perfect example of that old tale of the great Rosh Hashiva who's traveling, and you know, and everyone treats him like a regular person because they don't realize that he's a great Rosh Hashiva. And then he gets to the town, and all of a sudden everyone in the trade sees that, you know, there are throngs, thousands of people (laughs) coming out to see him. He is the perfect prototype for that that story. Right, right, right. Well, I believe that is an actual uh, story uh, from the Chavetz Chaim. Yeah. Uh, where he was traveling somewhere, I think, by train. Right. Uh, and then uh, people saw that and were amazed. And, mm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a shame because there aren't too many people, even in his position of, uh, of knowledge and, and authority, that people can feel close to. And also learn just from that, and I think that's that's important. You, you, we can see leaders, you know, from afar, 
uh, and don't realize that, that they are human, and, and we should emulate that. Yeah, it's not just that, though. The, um, someone said to me this morning on the phone, oh, boy, you know, uh, the, the, this is the end of the normal era. <laughs> Meaning, what they meant by that was, you know, he he was so normal mm-hmm. and so, I mean, his sock, his, his his halachic decisions so often were, you know, shockingly, you know, shockingly middle of the road. Sh- mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain things I have in mind as I'm saying it, but just it, it, people were amazed that he would like, you know, it, it, make a decision that 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 you know was just logical and and didn't include all the uh, all the um, uh, accoutrements that often go into the way you know rabbis make decisions. Right. Uh, the drastic uh, language and approach they may have. He never had that. Right. And he had tremendous sympathy for those asking the questions. People asking them were in very difficult situations. Some people were frustrated, frankly, that you know he was a man of very few words. So very often he would give you a psak, he'd give you a decision. And it would really be limited to a few words, and and there was no ability to really, you know, get a further explanation from him. But of, but he was so trustworthy that people, you know, trusted his word. Right, exactly. I mean, he had the wealth of knowledge at his fingertips, literally, and yeah. he didn't have to give that whole thing. If you're asking, if you're asking him, it's like looking something up in an encyclopedia, and once you read it, the, the, there it is. You're not going to go start asking too many questions. You're, and you're, when you think yeah. about the think about the dilemmas <laughs> of the year 2020 that are brought to Torah giants. I mean, we've got some really wild situations going on in this world. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, and he was able to, to, to apply these centuries-old, um, you know, academics of Torah to today's modern-day difficult situations. It's really a, a skill that's so amazing, just Incredible. Right, and it's uh, it shows that uh, not to wax too, I don't know, whatever. But that Torah looked at in a pure way, with pure understanding, is timeless. Yeah, someone said to me yesterday. It's funny um, uh, about a uh, about. There are still. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to tell you that you know that, that there's no normal uh, rabbis <laughs> left. There's still oh, there plenty are. of normal rabbis left. Plenty. One of them. Someone made a comment to me yesterday that look at this, look at this sock, the exact same sock in a completely different situation, but the exact same sock as thirty years earlier. I said, "Yeah, <laughs> when you're true to to your, you know, when you're true to your Torah study, when you're true to, you know, to the, I forgot how I put it. In fact, if you don't mind, I'm just going to look it up on my. Text, well, while you're it. looking up at that, I will tell you that uh, I was about to mention. I assume you're talking about Yummy's post. Oh, what did he write uh, about his father? Uh, who gave a sock during a time of... Uh, of oh, a, yeah, that was uh, it, correct. Right, exactly, and it is so clear and and the same, absolutely. So he said to me, um, amazing how... He wrote to me on a text, amazing how consistent his decisions are. So I wrote, that's what happens when you strictly adhere to halacha. Exactly. And that's it. So you, you want rabbis who are effective leaders, who represent us well, who are have strict adherence to halacha, but are able to adjust uh, those decisions and that scholarship to, you know, like I say, situations in 2020. Right. And you know what? I wouldn't even say adjust. I would say apply. They know how to apply it in the right, right. way. Uh, now, of course, uh, let's not uh, forget his brother of Reuben Feinstein. should live well, long and well, uh, who is a, in his own rights, a, um, 
Agadol and the Rosh Hashiva. Yeah, and he has who, uh, two sons who are, I assume, going to take over the Yeshiva. I yeah. assume so. I don't know. But the the, the legacy, it's one of the legacies of Rav Moshe Feinstein, all of a shalom, who is, uh, who's gone. And that was a, a whole other era uh, and, and a bridge. But you could say the same thing about Rav Moshe. He was very... I don't think he ever went to a pizza shop. I'm not sure about that. But he was definitely very normal in the way he applied uh, his sock was the same, and I'm sure his children learned from that. Yeah, the expression is, you know, when you uh, when you um, run away from covered, if you deserve mm-hmm. it, the covered, you know, catches up to you. Exactly, exactly. Defines, that really is the Feinstein's in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that really does describe. And what I, about. my understanding is that the uh, Levaya will be taking place today at nine thirty outside of the. Uh, Outside of the yeshiva, but the the family and, and others have have cautioned that people could could better be served, if you will, by watching on uh, live stream. And if people have to go, uh, you know, feel they want to go, they have to wear masks and have to be socially distant. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in shul this morning, and they announced after davening that it would be the greatest covet for David if people didn't come to the funeral, which yeah. is funny. But uh, obviously, I, I still would assume that East Broadway is going to be closed today, I would assume. I would imagine. Uh, but considering uh, the state of our world right now, seeing throngs of, of people going to a funeral doesn't present... And I'm not, I'm not saying this is a negative. I'm just saying what the world is looking at doesn't no, present the best picture. Look, look I, I, know, I know this crowd pretty well. Yeah. If, it, if it's going to be the immediate MTJ crowd, you're going to see a full street with social distancing right. and likely everyone wearing masks. What I'm assuming, though, is that there'll be people coming in from a lot of different places right. to pay tribute uh, from places where masks are not as prevalent and, and, and adhered to. Social distancing normally, in every situation like this, collapses pretty quickly, so... Right, I'm assuming it's going to happen, but who knows? We can hope right. for the best. I'm sure you'll be discussing this more tomorrow on JM in the AM. Um, a word about Rabbi Sachs. Whom well, you again, knew. you know, as I said earlier, Rabbi Sachs, uh, you know, he opened his mouth. You knew that he was going to represent the Jewish people well. Yeah. You never feared that, oh, my God, God forbid there's a Kechil Hashem coming, or God forbid he's going to say something wrong, or God forbid he's going to anger somebody from a different religion right. or from a different political party or a different perspective, and it never was the case. I mean, he, he had this uncanny ability. In addition to all the books and all the scholarship and all the philosophy and all the... How many people studied his uh, Parshish every week? Right. I mean, one of the most right. popular rabbis in the world literally one of the most popular rabbis in the world, and what a great speaker, and what a, a tremendous uh, scholar. But what I find hardest to tolerate or to, or to come to grips with in the aftermath of his passing, and it really affected me uh, last night when I heard the news, um, I felt it was a tremendous tragedy for worldwide jury because he was somebody who represented us properly. He was somebody who took his leadership role so seriously. And, um, and look where he was able to convey these, these, these words and thoughts yeah. in the House of Commons and House of Lords right. and, in, and it, it, you know, at the homes of other religions and, uh, you know, and, and uh, with government officials who, 
you know, may not have been as friendly to the Jewish community as they were because they knew him and they were, were developed a relationship with him. And all that is going to be missed. And this is somebody who had nothing to do with the United States. I mean, outside right. of his association with YU, I don't think, uh, and OU Press maybe, he had not much to do with the United States. I mean, his publishers were here, I guess. Right. But, you know, he, he, was, he was a product of Great Britain who had such amazing effect on so many around the world. Right. He knew what to say, when oh. to say it, and when not to say it. And uh, the British don't give honor lightly. So, you know, when they bestow an honor, yeah, that's it true. Is you know what meaningful. else I remember about him, by the way? Yeah. And I don't know if he ever would have admitted this, but I remember the night, the Sunday night that he spoke at the Kinnis Ashluchim of Chabad Lubavitch. Yeah, in New York. In New York, in front of probably 20,000 people and God knows how many others watching around the world. Right. Um, and I was watching. I was not at that one. I was watching that one. And you could see that for the first five minutes or so of that presentation, which was brilliant, I mean, imagine him describing Lubavitcher Rebbe, I mean, yeah. what a home run it was. In the first five minutes, you could, you could see the nerves in him. You could see the, 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 the nervousness. And I'm saying to myself, this man has appeared in front of kings <laughs> and queens. This man has spoken just this week, probably in ten different venues. <laughs> right. This man has been on countless shows, TV and radio, with public presentations. But he's so humble and so concerned that he say the right thing, that it come out the right way, that he is standing here at this Knesset HaShluchim with a type of speech that he's given many times before, I'm sure, with, with his nerves rattling him a bit. Now, after the first five minutes, I think anyone would agree he was in his zone. He was, you know... He was he was rolling along, <laughs> right, and, you know. Right. But you see the reverence that he had for the for the atmosphere, yeah. the reverence he had for the venue. Absolutely, you have a. He, fa- <laughs> he didn't want to do a bad job in remembering the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Right. He, he wanted to pierce the heart of those who loved the Rebbe, and those exactly. who, whether they knew him or didn't know him. And, and I'll never forget that. Right, right. Look, he, he he knew that he was standing in front of a thousand people who were dressed somewhat differently than he was. Is is an unfamiliar. Seen and it takes greatness to be able to adapt to that and to be able to think of the right words to get at the hearts of of everyone, like you said. Uh, you had him on the show a uh, number of times, right? Yeah, we had him on a couple of times. Uh, we had him on with the terrorism book, mm-hmm. and I think we had him on for one other book. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, actually, more than yeah. I think we had him on three, four times. Now that I think about it, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I mean, uh, with all the times I had him on and with the times I've met him. Um, there was a speech he gave at uh, Yeshiva University that I remember the most, and I think it was it actually may have been, I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was a conversation or a debate, but what I do remember is that his level of knowledge of everything was remarkable, mm-hmm. just remarkable, from history to politics to religion, just incredible. And again, when you have the ability to to be, be the Baal Masbur that he was, to be able to explain and present the way he did. It's so obvious that you know your your acumen in that area is top notch. Right. That's how you know when someone knows something when they're able to really explain it well. You know exactly. And just turning back to David for a second um, before we finish up, you know one thing people I'm sure in the in the English speaking uh, learning world are aware of of David's association with uh, Art Scroll and the Masora. Uh, 
Masora, uh, what do they call it, the foundation. Uh, I mean, his name is, is there as soon as you open up every Art Scroll Safe Fair. Uh, and that's yeah, I mean, also I, I would imagine that he, uh, I mean, based on what I know from the Zlotowicz family, first of all, he and Mayor Zlotowicz were very, very, right, very close. Right. Mayor Zlotowicz was a Talmud in the yeshiva, and he was, they were very, very close throughout the years. Um, and um, I assume during the life of Ramosha, Ramosha you know, started by being familiar with what Art Scroll was doing. I mean, Art Scroll was around for for about 10 years or more when Ramosha passed right. away. Right, uh, absolutely. But Rav David really did <clears throat> carry on that mantle. He understood the importance of the English translation of the holy books. He understood the incredible mission that the Rabbi Zlotowitz had. And, yeah, he was... And then, look, frankly, his name brought together so many other rabbis, so many amazing members of the board of directors and board of governors of Art Scroll. You know, his his name attracted a a very serious group of uh, scholars and philanthropists and rabbinic leaders uh, who allowed that uh, American Jewish publication revolution to to really take off. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and to really change, uh, you know, English speaking Jewish history. Yeah, I'll never forget the first art scroll that came out was the uh, Megillus Esther, right? Uh, and uh, probably in the probably in the Late seventies. You said about I think it was ten 75, years. Seventy five. Seventy five or seventy six. Uh, and Ramosha passed away in eighty six. Right. Uh, and uh, interestingly, <laughs> on, on Purim, or uh, well, he died at Tanisester. Tanisester, yeah. Uh, and uh, but but it just goes to show there there may be other leaders who who would not have felt it's uh, appropriate to to lend a name to such. Uh, oh, it's you great the pressure! But, you know, the yeah. pressure to, <laughs> to yeah. endorse an English language <laughs> or an English <laughs> translation. In those days, I was thinking about this yesterday. It's so right. funny you say that. Oh, it knows that now. It's a, now it's nothing. But the opposition then, right. the opposition that so many rabbis, especially those in Israel, had to the whole concept. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. but yeah, he uh, he didn't care what people thought. He yeah. wanted to do what was right. That's good. Well, I want to thank you. I know it's a difficult time, especially when you know someone in the family. So. You know, personally and close, and and the whole community is feeling it uh, both as a Torah leader and as a a, a friend, a, a you know neighbor, like you said, someone that you see and you say hello to. Uh, yeah, I mean, know, it was, it, that was always interesting. My kids would see him in the morning. You know, they would be waiting for the bus, and yeah. he would, of course, say hello to them. And, and yes. but you know, <laughs> I'll I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Uh, People bothered him constantly. I mean, yes. the phone the phone never stopped at home and in the yeshiva. Yeah. And he never really had, despite what people think and what they see, and to the credit of those around him, they did you know do a good job sometimes you know giving him some some time to himself. But right. he didn't really have the operation, the apparatus that so many of the rebbes and, and, and great rabbis have when it comes to you know. Uh, um, yeah, the people around him, the yeah, structure. Yeah, you know, when it comes to controlling, right, yeah. controlling the people that, that approach him, it's et a good, Maybe it's a good thing, but yeah. I remember once I remember once I was sitting in our sukkah, and, and he was always there. Um, he was always, uh, I mean, we were always at his sukkah. It's, his, you know, it's our sukkah downstairs. Right. Meaning the building sukkah. Uh-huh. And I was, I was eating eating there on a weeknight, and, and he and the Rebbitson were at the table next to me. And, you know, of course, I said I and all that, but, you know, didn't want to disturb them. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, a group of people came in from Brooklyn. Yeah. I think their Cholamoy trip was to go and 
try to get a bracha from Rav David Feinstein. <laughs> like that was their, you know, that was uh, they come into the sukkah, uh, and and I'll never, I'll never forget the Rebbitzin Adel. She looks at me, and she's looking at me like I, I wouldn't mind if you got these people to you know let my husband eat dinner. <laughs> But then again, and it's sort of like with the same eyes, but then again, I don't know if it's right for me to, right. to do that when they came all this way just to you know, get a bracha from him. But boy, the patience that the two of them, the patience the two of them had for all the people that would come from far and wide uh, to seek his advice, to ask him questions, and to get brachas. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. Uh, I, I guess that'll end now because um, it'll be limited in terms of the number of people that that come to see, uh, you know, that that come to act, obviously, who can't visit him anymore. But uh, it was quite an era, quite oh, an yeah. era of um, of halachic uh, dominance by one of the uh, greatest poskim of this generation. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you, Nachum. Uh, are you going to be uh, trying to, are you going to try to see what you can see there? or? Uh you know, it's funny, but I was walking with one of my sons to shul this morning, and he said, are you going? And I said, you know, it's funny. I mean, I was at Ramosha's funeral. And I, right. I was not living in this neighborhood then, but I, I went to the funeral. Right. And my brother said to me that he drove up from Baltimore from that, for that funeral. Mm-hmm. The difference today is that, I mean, obviously I'm curious to see, you know, what the scene looks like, and that might get me to pass by. But, I mean, today, there's so many ways to attend the funeral. Right. And, you know, in those days, you know, it, it, it wasn't like someone was recording it, and later in the day you could hear a recording of it. You know, if you didn't go and, and, and hear it. the speeches, you would never be able to, you, I mean, you know, almost never would be able to, to actually hear the uh, presentations later on. That's right. So it's just a different world. Plus, now they have this directive that it's better everyone stay away. So I'll likely, you know, stay away, zoom in. And uh, if I have an opportunity at some point to either drive by or to uh, or to walk over, you know, I am curious to see what the scene looks like, not just from a COVID perspective, but in general, you know, Ramosha's funeral was one that, I, I remember where I was standing here on the Lower East Side, there must have been, you know, 20,000 people on the street. Yeah, that was different. But it's a different era, and, uh, and what will it look like today, I don't know, but uh, as we've learned... Now no longer is the greatest covet to attend the funeral. It seems the greatest covet is to adhere to the wishes of the person who uh, who is being uh, uh, spoken about, and it seems like his family has uh, has declared that the best way to honor him is to stay away. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm sure you'll you'll give a, a full detailed uh, uh, description tomorrow, however you see it today, and uh, we look forward to that. Do you have any details on Rabbi Sachs' funeral? Mm. I haven't heard anything. And no. I would assume that there'll be a lot of... I shouldn't say this, because I'm so unfamiliar, like many of us, with what happens in the U.K. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just operating on the assumption that there's some pomp and circumstance or somebody who serves as the chief rabbi there. I don't know. Right. I, I, was, um, I was looking at the uh, British uh, newspapers where they spoke about him, the obituary, but I, I didn't see any details, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's it's hard to I don't know maybe he was already buried I I don't know I mean it's uh, in other words what, the funeral six, because now let's see it's uh, it's early afternoon six in Great hours Britain. ahead maybe the funeral already took place you're saying right well or, or service I don't know if he was you know planned on right, being public buried in, in Israel or where he oh here actually okay I just saw this um, this is a uh, the Levaya for of Yaakov Tzvi ben David Aryeh. Oh, that's funny. Now you see it. Take place this afternoon in line with current U.K. 
government COVID guidelines. And wow. This afternoon means um, now. Now, I guess. yeah, yeah. I'm looking to see if there's a any um, any links or anything at all. I I just. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh. just as anxious to... Yeah. I'm sorry, it says the Hespade... This is actually on his official Twitter feed, but yeah. he's obviously not doing it. Right. <laughs> the Hespadium will be recorded and placed online later today. Interesting. Um, and it uh, doesn't have any live feed that I can see right now. Uh, but All right, so we'll... You know, um, people should check social media, I guess, because uh, that's where... Um, that's, that would be the way to see it also. Oh, uh, one more thing before you go. Let me check the the official website and see if it if it has it on there at all. And uh, no. <laughs> just, you know, you just, the things you mentioned about him and being so, uh, the ability to talk. I'm looking at the website and what, what do I see as soon as I put it on? He had a TED Talk. And he did oh, a wow. TED Talk at one point. He he. Uh, it was on BBC Radio. He's uh, his books, uh, Judaism's Life Changing Ideas, um, Covenant and Conversation. I just oh, he's just, all over the place. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Nachum. Uh, you know, we should all uh, hear good things. And, yeah, we should share small clothes. Um, we should share good occasions, and never forget the incredible impact that these uh, giants have had on our uh, on our people and our mm-hmm. society. Um, we are only better because uh, of the fact that they uh, that they led us for so long, right? And each of them is one person. Yeah. One person has such an effect no on on society. Thank you again, Nachum. Thank Appreciate you, Appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll get back to the music now. It is uh, eight thirty one here on uh, AM, eight thirty one AM Eastern Time here on JM Sunday. Thank you, Nachum, for joining us. We have uh, about half an hour left to the show, and uh, we'll get to some more music. Uh, I played a number of slower selections earlier in the show. We have some fast music. We have some Lipa coming up. And this is from his Be Positive album. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on JM Sunday. We are exclusive to the Nachum Siegel Network. Not Yeah. 
by Uri Davidi. Before that, we heard from uh, Baruch Abud, uh, Binyamin Sofer, Litwin Brothers, Lieber Schmelzer. My thanks to Nachum Siegel, who joined us today to talk about the uh, passing of Rev. David Feinstein and uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And uh, the uh, Levaya for Rabbi Feinstein will take place via Zoom. It'll be a... Or, live stream, rather, excuse me, at 9.30. You can check different social media on that. Um, hope you all enjoy the rest of the day. Great programming continues here on the network. And, of course, Nakam will be back tomorrow morning on JM in the AM. My thanks to everyone again for joining us. Have a great week. A great Shabbos. We'll see you next Sunday here on JM Sunday. You've been listening to Matis Weingast and JM Sunday on NahumSiegel.com right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.